0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast.
1: Well, folks, he did it, and I don't know if. Uh... I mean, I'm not going to take any credit necessarily, but I will say that there was a pretty significant rant on yesterday's podcast that led into Julius Randle finally having a good ball game. We still missed him, damn free throws. So close to not having one negative impact. But I'm not going to complain with as bad as the season has been. So hello, Julius. Please let this be the start of something, anything at all, to level off that god-awful field goal percent. And thank you. This is Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday edition. I am Dan Bass. excited that uh, we're going to be joined by our new uh, midday editor here at Hoop Ball, Pedro Doreste. will be joining us momentarily. We'll also break down the results of the Monday card, get you set up for some Tuesday evening action as well. This, of course, is a Hoop Ball presentation hoop ball.com and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation as well H I Kona Coffee on Twitter hawaiianisles.com is the website, or search for them on amazon.com. Dan Vespers is my Twitter handle. You guys know that by now. Please do rate and review the podcast. I'm doing that right at the outset today because it's so important to me. Bring up Fantasy NBA Today on iTunes or in the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title. Scroll to the bottom, and there you can find the place wherein you can leave The five-star review will be certainly very helpful. We would appreciate it forever. I will love you until the end of time. And uh, thank you in advance for those that are leaving those. I think the order that I just talked about things is the the way we're going to line this thing out. So uh, we'll wait on breaking down the Monday results. That'll be the middle piece of the puzzle. And then we'll segue into Tuesday stuff towards the end of the program. But first, we'll go straight into the guest. This is exciting. One of our newest... Hoopball Staffers makes his podcast debut. You're, what is it? Daytime editor? Is that the official title? Am I getting that right? Yeah, that's right. All right. See, I, I got half a brain over here. As my dad used to say, if you'd had half a brain, you'd be dangerous. Pedro Doreste, what's up, my man? Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited about this. I'm also technically afternoon editor, but ah. it's
1: a long title, you know. Daytime and afternoon editor? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm going to call you the sun editor. You're the editor <laughs> when the sun is up. Is that fair?
0: Uh, that's a-, a bit too dignified.
1: Apollo? Can I just call you Apollo? Oh, that's definitely too dignified. Lord of the sun editor, Pedro. <laughs> De- You're... I'll but, take it. Uh Pedro N Dorreste is the Twitter handle. Uh P E D R O N D O R E S T E if you want to give him a follow. This is uh social media is a little more more of a work in progress, right? We'll bump you up here. Your uh, your fantasy NBA debut. We're going to turn you into a into a thing. We actually talked off air that we were going to invent a couple of hashtags on today's show. But The reason you're here is because, number one, you know a crap load about fantasy sports, and that's good. Those are folks that should be on a fantasy podcast. But number two, you did some serious digging to find, basically, why certain guys are buy lows, sell highs, or holds, as opposed to just the sort of blanket terminology that we use. Is that a fair way to kind of classify the numbers that you've got on hand?
0: Yeah, I would say so. I'm I'm basically looking at what I'm calling uh, rudder stats, which is like you know the rudder that, steals, that, that steers the ship. So if you can excuse the wonky analogies, um, so I'm looking at advanced stats like hustle stats and tracking stats that don't count for fantasy purposes, but kind of tend to dictate uh, a player's output in nine nine category
1: fantasy leagues. I like it. I don't think it's wonky. But why? Let me ask you this then: Why are these stats relevant to their nine-category output? Is it because something maybe is mismatched in a way that, you know, I I know for baseball fans, uh, BABIP—the batting average on balls in play—is one that a lot of people sort of gravitate to. I'm not huge into baseball advanced stats, but I know that one because you can sort of track luck and regression to a mean. Are your are the stats you're finding a way of sort of tracking those types of trends where, you know, maybe say some guy has a you mentioned hustle stat like maybe his hustle numbers are high, but it's not currently translating to steals or rebounds. And you expect those numbers to reconcile or am I getting that wrong? Fill in the details for me because uh, this is sort of uncharted waters for me.
0: No, you're kind of uh, on the right track there. I'll but sometimes it. these hustle stats can be a result of like coaching or playing time to uh, whether they're high or low. So I also take that into account. So it's not all just looking at the numbers. Um but a lot of people also talk about three-point percentage because three-point percentage is that category, uh, like non-category that affects three different categories, right? Because a bad three-point percentage can hurt you. In field goal percentage, it can hurt you in points, and it obviously hurts you in threes. Hmm. So so looking at these um, kind of like these background numbers can help you uh, predict uh, positive or negative regression in the future as well as uh, a player's um The sustainability of individual player stats.
1: So this creates uh, market inefficiency, which you can hopefully exploit with either a trade or a pickup or something to that effect? I mean, that is the
0: hope. Of course, a lot of this research, uh, I did that, I did this research earlier this week, and some of these trends are already changing. Uh, But uh, if the name's on here, it's because you know uh regression hasn't hit fully yet.
1: so you know what i'll do is i will pull back the curtain i thought i wasn't going to but i will um we're recording this show on friday and it'll air likely a couple days later i'm guessing most folks will hear this on tuesday so if something changes dramatically understand that it did so over the last 3 to 4 days uh so you can't hold that against us but um yeah, I mean, I, I get it. You're saying I hope so. I, I think you can probably say almost definitely with some of this stuff. So why don't we just leap right into it? Do you want to start with the stuff that you think is bound to uh, peter out or the stuff that you believe to be here to stay? I know you've given me a couple of each of them, here to stay guys and unsustainable guys.
0: Yeah, well, I, uh, I kind of want to start with the here to stay guys because most of it is positive news, but there's, I also want to you know be a little bit of a party pooper here. Uh, I'll allow it. Yeah. So I'm going to start with Bam Adebayo. Oh, so you're party pooping right out of the shoot. Yeah, I have to. This is one of my favorite guys coming out um, you know, uh uh during draft season. Like I have him on pretty much every one of my rosters, but I I just feel I have to be realistic here. Um so Bam Adebayo is currently ranked 50, uh 66 overall and he was kind of being drafted as that safe all-around big that could fit all builds but he's shooting 61% from the line at almost seven attempts per game. So his, yeah, it's amazing. I looked up his his free throw impact and his free throw effect, his negative effect on free throw percentage is worse than Andre Drummond and
1: DeAndre Jordan combined. Wow, that's crazy. Kudos to Andre Drummond, by the way, for figuring out suddenly how to shoot almost 70% at the line. (laughs) haven't we heard this story before though we have it usually does it usually slows someone it was either i think it was two years ago when he first started to to improve at the line and i kept saying it'll level off it'll level off but to his credit you know i'd love to take and say that i was right when i thought (laughs) level off i thought it was going to fall back to you know 45 to 55 where he had been but he's sort of settled into that 60 percent range but anyway this is about bam and not andre drummond um I mean, you know, my first question is, did any of us think he was going to take almost seven free throws a game? That number is crazy.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, if you look at his game, it was basically an inevitability that his free throw attempts were going to rise, you know, but nobody thought that he'd be shooting this much. Uh, But it makes perfect sense. It's 67% of his shots are coming in the paint against tight or very tight defense. So, if you look at his heat map, it looks like the Looney Tunes title card, you know, with the concentric circles around the rim. I know it's not Hanna Barbara, but yeah.
1: We'll take um, it. Listen, we're dating ourselves a little bit here. This is the cartoons you and I grew up on. <laughs> this You may need to. I don't. Honestly, I was going to make a joke, but I don't know what the next generation grew up on what was the next generation of it doesn't matter um so okay so you're able to basically say look he's taking all of his shots right in front of the rim of course he's going to get fouled a little bit but what about the fact that last year and the year before he was a 70 something percenter and he's dropped off a cliff this season
0: yeah yeah 70 73% on low volume or lowish volume which was uh almost four attempts a game that's doable that's not going to hurt your team too bad but i mean uh, and this is one of those things that I don't really see changing too much. I think he'll improve um, from 61% because he's never been this bad. Uh, and there is some hope uh, uh, for improvement because in all the games that he shot over 10 free throws a game, which are three right now, uh, he shot 82%. So it, I, I don't know. It, it strikes me as more of a rhythm thing,
1: you know? Hmm. Is there anything you think he could do to rectify that mid-season? Because you have this one under your list of stats that are probably here to stay.
0: Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to ignore the second worst free throw impact in the game behind, behind Giannis. You know? That was
1: going to be my next question, by the way, who's number one. Yeah, Giannis yeah. has been horrible. Um, it's, yep. <laughs> so how do we use this information? How do we, do we try to unload at a bio, at a... Because his name is still so buzzy, you know, the three combined defensive stats, the double-double, the almost five assists a game, 57% from the field. He has a ton of really good fantasy impact stats, but he obviously has this one that's, as you said, second worst of anybody in the league right now at, you know, the the almost seven a game at 61%. I feel like you could still trade him for somebody in that 35 range if you mm-hmm. find a willing partner that thinks the free throw is coming up by 10% this year.
0: Yeah, I think if you can get, because uh, uh, his his hope of being a top 30 is pretty much dashed this year, because solely because of the free throw. But the, the other thing that's happening is that he's only shooting 61% in the res- restricted area, and he's a really good finisher. So that's going to improve. So what I'm saying is he's not top 30, but he's also not you know number 66. He's going to be better than this.
1: Where do you think he finishes round 50? I,
0: I think he's going to be like top top 45, top 50. Hmm. Yeah, I think even could, with bad I think, free throw.
1: I think you could still get somebody higher than that for him because of how many of his stats still look so juicy around the bad free throw percent. I I would agree. You know, it's it's really
0: hard to let go of those buzzy players, but. Maybe you can use that buzz to your advantage right now.
1: Get out early and rather than hope that the free throw percent comes back. If you could get someone in the 45 range that you think is going to stay there, because we're still at a time in the season where, you know, P.J. Tucker's at 45, and God love him. He's one of my favorite nine-cat guys in the league. He's not going to finish at number 45 this year on a per-game basis. It's just not going to happen. But there are other guys in there that— you know, maybe they do. LaMarcus Aldridge is 49. That's feels like a pretty reasonable place for him to go. If not, maybe a tiny bit higher. Uh, mm-hmm. J- Jason Tatum is at 43. Um, Thomas Bryant is at 38. I'm just pulling n- names of guys that I think are actually probably going to end up in this range. Would you move out of bio for some of those names of, of what I'd call maybe more sure-footed 45ers? I would
0: for some of them maybe not Aldridge cuz Aldridge's rebounds have uh disappeared yeah, but somebody some yeah advantage. somebody like Miles Turner coming back from injury um, yeah I, I think I uh, or even Tom Bryant which uh he was going around the same range as Adebayo in late drafts but Tom Bryant is a it's clearly a better across the board contributor at this point.
1: Yeah, 80% at the line. That's a little bit of a jump there. We and yep. and that's the key. You got to get those guys that are actually doing it in both and and unfortunately right now Bam's been a tough guy to own but I, I mean I'll tell you just from looking at Twitter uh a lot of people are still very very high on him what would you say to folks that think the free throw percent is going to come back why are you fe- why do you feel so strongly that it won't and I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I was always sort of a um I only have Bam in one league I felt like maybe he was going a little too high for me so I'm I'm kind of secretly on your side, but just to sort of pull all the data out of you. Why yep. are you so confident that it's going to stay low like that?
0: I don't think it's going to stay as low as it has been. Okay. I just think that even if it improves to his career averages, I don't think the, the attempts are going to go down.
1: Ah, okay. So even so if the percent comes hurt, back.
0: Yeah, it's going to hurt you regardless. And I just want people to pay attention to his free throw attempts because got, I've gotten into arguments with a fantasy analyst on Twitter uh, who are already celebrating the BAM breakout. And and I'm like, you gotta, you know, he's killing you in free throws. You gotta pay attention to this.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough to celebrate the breakout of a guy who's between 60 and 70 when he was drafted at 40. It's tough. Yep. You got a point there. Much as uh, there are other guys like, I mean, you know, Clint Capella, who was getting clobbered the whole offseason. He's 29. Mm-hmm. He's 29 with the same horrible free throw percent as always. He just, for some reason, isn't getting fouled at all um all right you've party pooped now clean up your party who are some of the good ones okay so i
0: gotta this is gonna be a show of faith in uh malcolm brogdon who's ranked 19 uh in nine cat leagues right now he's averaging 8.5 assists per game and a good indicator of that was his um 14 assists preseason debut so that's when we got to see him in his new role um and he's more, of, more than 50% of his passes are going to TJ Warren and, and Demontas Sabonis, elite cutters and, and really good finishers. So when he passes the ball, it's because guys have lanes, you know? They have uh, open shots. So he's been very efficient with his uh, passing off drives. Um, and, and, and yeah, I just think this is one of those things where he's never been this type of player, but he's also never been asked to be a point guard.
1: I know that you're talking about his assists right now, but can I also comment on the fact that, and maybe this will change by Tuesday, I don't know, but as we record on Friday, he still hasn't missed a free throw since opening night. <laughs> that's crazy.
0: Uh, he did that. He went on a, on a streak like that last year, and, I'm like, and last year was low volume. This year, it's like almost five a game, is it?
1: Yeah, that's amazing. It's, man, so yeah, I mean. What about the Oladipo impact? What makes you confident that the assists will stay up I mean, they've got to come down a little bit, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, they'll have to. I, I think he's still going to hover in the in the seven assists per game range. The thing is that I, I mean, his usage, <laughs> I'm going to say it's only 27%. But, you know, if you figure in all the injuries that Indiana has had, 27% still feels low, you know?
1: A little uh, bit, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, so uh, I think I think that yeah, when all these players return, yes, his his usage is going to take a slight hit, and with that, his assist numbers. But he's also he's he hasn't been as efficient as he has been in the past, especially from three point range. So I think that his efficiency can actually come up uh, from three, in particularly.
1: I'm going to ask you a tough question on Brogdon, and I'll, I'll do the same thing on your last one for the sustainable guys. We, we you and I agree that when Oladipo comes back, he will have to peel off a little bit. Uh, he's currently ranked, you said, 18. Um, he's going to beat his ADP. The question now is, how far in rankings does that Oladipo hit actually drop him? Does it drop him from 19 to 30? Is it 35? Is it 40? Is it even less, actually? Is it more like just half a round? How do we reconcile where he ends up while still kind of understanding that he's going to have a fantastic year and destroy his ADP?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think he's a clear top 40 this year, uh, season long, for sure.
1: So would you move him, you would move him then for somebody, if you could trade him now for someone in that 30 to 35 range, is that a viable target or do you think you'd have to, do you think you could even get somebody in that range for him?
0: Uh, I mean, I, right now I wouldn't move him for, for that because right now you're trying to capitalize on his top 20 value. So it would have to be for another top 20 hmm. uh, Interesting. if you do that. Um, but I'm, I'm actually reluctant to move Brogdon in any of my leagues because he just fits every build.
1: Like yeah, he's he, fantastic.
0: You have such versatility with the way you build your team when you have somebody like Malcolm Brogdon on it that I don't think I'd trade that luxury for, for not a lot. You know, yeah, maybe a handful of guys. But right now, I mean, Brogdon's cruising unless he gets hurt. And you know, we've seen that happen before.
1: All right. Enjoy the ride. Okay, I can get on that. Who's your last here-to-stay guy?
0: My last here-to-stay guy is, I mean, he's been banged up uh, recently with a, an eye injury, yeah. but it's O.G. Anunoby. <laughs> we'll, uh, ag-
1: we'll ignore the fact that he got the three stooges treatment from Kawhi. This is this is pre-getting his eye slashed open.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was... Uh, Ugly. Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah.
1: Um, he's been amazing. He's uh, almost a 2, 1.2, and 1.2 guy. I mean, we always talk about guys that are 1, 1, and 1s. He's at two three-pointers a game, 1.2 steals, 1.3 blocks. Uh, And your your note on him is the defensive stats. You're confident those are actually here to stay.
0: They really are because they're not, um, uh, you know, he's ranked 33 overall. um, And uh, as you said, he's averaging like 1.2 steals and 1.3 blocks. So that's up from his 0.7 and 0.3 career averages, respectively. Uh, We already know that he was a big time defensive producer at Indiana. He had a career career. 4.4 Four point four defensive stats per forty minutes, which is crazy. The thing is, his hustle stats are pretty much in line with, with his career numbers. Huh. He's not he's not gambling more than usual. He's not like contesting a ton of shots. I think he just finally figured out how to utilize that seven two wingspan, you know? Can he shoot fifty five percent all year? Toronto has worked their magic with uh, forwards (laughs) uh, (laughs) before, but I don't think Anunobi has the game right now uh, off the dribble that Siakam does. So I I think that's going to come down. And a lot of that is inflated uh, three-point shooting, too.
1: Oh, right. He's shooting, what, 53% from downtown, if I'm pulling this up quickly? Yeah. So that comes off a little bit, but the... the the, does that then impact the points you think do those come off of 12 a tiny bit or does that stay put just with maybe a little more volume
0: i i think uh yeah i don't think the volume is going to be there especially when uh Lowry gets back but i do think he can maintain like solid top 70 top 80 value people right now are thinking of him as a uh like a like a robert covington from last year or a a uh, or a gerald wallace historically <laughs> he's not he's not that you know crash he's of course closer Uh, one of my favorite fantasy players of all time by the way
1: gerald wallace yeah crash he was a fun one
0: yeah he's one of the best uh but really i'm thinking of um i'm thinking of uh anunobi is more of a last year's jeremy grant or a danny green in his prime obviously with fewer threes so he'll get those low 1.2 steals 1.2 blocks per game um and And a lot of his value is going to be dependent on those defensive stats, so
1: this is an interesting example because you've got two categories for him that are here to stay. But it also feels to me like you're saying this is an okay time to sell on him to see if you maybe you could get like a top fifty sort of guy,
0: yeah. The thing is he's not as as great as his season has been so far. He doesn't really have the buzz that uh, no, uh, Jonathan Isaac has, for example,. Uh, Jonathan Isaac right now is uh, I think it's he's still ranked in top 15. Yep. And Anunobi's around uh, the yeah top 30, top 40. Um, so I don't think you can. I mean, you if you can get a top 40 for Anunobi now, that would be great because he's he's definitely doesn't have the statistical profile to stay in that range. But I just don't think you can really. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can uh, get that kind of value unless you know who knows. Uh, maybe you have some Toronto fans in your leagues.
1: Mm, we do. In fact, one of them I think is uh is our lead editor at Hootball. <laughs> <laughs> see what we can uh, see what we can pull out of Panda for OG Ananobi.
0: Yeah, he's a hold and still a bit of a sell high despite the sustainability of his defensive stats. But you, okay. you gotta test the market.
1: Alright, whose rudders are broken? Did I use that? <laughs> did I do the did I do the right thing with the metaphor there?
0: Uh, well. I'll, uh, I'll allow it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: Whose rudder is <laughs> broken? Besides the fact that he's out with a knee injury at the time of this recording, we'll go to your first guy on the list.
0: Which is, um, uh, wait, is Brandon Ingram out with a knee injury?
1: He was. I don't know if he's playing tonight. But he was out yesterday. Sore knee. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think he's back now. He's ranked number 24 uh, on the season. And I hate doing this, Dan. Uh, I hate to pile on a guy who looks like he's finally putting it together, you know? No, pile away, um, man.
1: It's a fantasy show. Nothing we say. Here's the thing, and and I've done this this uh, this little softening blow so many times on the podcast that now it's second nature. But uh, for you, it's it's your first foray into this. Um, it, it, uh, the listeners of the show are are really really sharp, and they are fantasy enthusiasts. And very few of them take what we say as actual insults on guys. So you're <laughs> you're in good company. But you know, we'll uh, I'll we'll we'll throw the preface out there. Nothing that we say here is a knock on any of these players. It's just a look at what numbers tell us about their game. We love Brandon Ingram. He's playing his butt off. It's really nice that he's playing so well, even after having the DVT in his shoulder. Uh, And now, Pedro, I once again give you the floor to destroy him.
0: So uh, I appreciate the opportunity. (laughs) I've been doing this for the last three years, so this is familiar territory for me. Crush (laughs) away. Crush away. Yeah, this year's a little bit different, though. Everybody's been talking about Brandon Ingram as a sell-high guy because of his three-point shooting, which stands at 47% right now, and he's a career 33% shooter. That's obviously unsustainable no matter how much you've improved. Mm -hmm. So We've seen players kind of make that leap before TJ Warren last year in a limited sample. I just don't see it with Ingram. So the efficiency here will go down with volume. Most of his attempts have been catch-and-shoot opportunities and 25% of all his attempts have been uh, either open or wide open. So he's getting really good looks. Um, he's barely shooting any threes off the, dribble, off the dribble or pull-ups. So he's basically hitting the shots he's supposed to make, but on a very inflated efficiency. Um, yeah, uh, but that, I mean, I feel that's already been addressed by by fantasy experts. I think that the steeper drop is going to come in his rebounding rate. Interesting. Why do you say that? So right now he's at seven and a half blocks per game, and he's never been above. Uh, he's been slightly above five before, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I think he's just been doing this with too many people out. You you know you got Lonzo Ball, who's an above average rebounder for his position. You got Zion Williamson, who is a very good rebounder whenever he comes back. Um, and and when mm. Zion comes comes back, Ingram's going to be pushed back to the three. And Derek uh, Favors,
1: too. I'll throw Favors into the mix. He's just now finally coming back and looking healthy, and it happens to coincide when Ingram is out. So we haven't really seen those two guys play together, both healthy, yet this year.
0: Yeah, that's that. That's also true. Uh, he had a 20-rebound game uh, uh, yesterday. It
1: was glorious. Yeah, Thursday. That was a great one.
0: Yeah, so I, I just don't... I think right now, uh, Brandon Ingram just has a green light to grab the ball and get down the court, you know? And, and I've seen a lot of Pelicans games, and the stats confirm it. Derek Favors is boxing out so that Ingram can grab rebounds. <laughs> <laughs> so there are already signs that the rebounding is unsustainable. 70% of his rebounds are coming uncontested. So it's basically uh, Derek Favors is doing the dirty work, and uh, Brandon
1: Ingram is just mopping up. Yeah, we didn't see that on Thursday when Derek did the boxing out and the grabbing of the rebounds. Uh, You've got to think that that... Well, I mean, is there anything to that? Is that part of their scheme to let a smaller guy get it and go? I think
0: so, but once Zion comes back, who would you rather uh, initiate those fast breaks?
1: Honestly, I have no idea. I'm (laughs) I'm worried that Zion's legs are going to explode.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, me too. But, you know, we have to assume that he's going to come back relatively healthy, and he's going to be playing like a, a good allotment of minutes. I hope so. I,
1: yeah,
0: exactly. So I think Ingram is going to be pushed back to a small forward where he's never shown uh, like a, uh, an inclination to, to rebound uh, very aggressively in his career. So I think if he gets back to his career averages, he drops down from 7.5 to, to 5 or 5.5, 5.5, uh, he, he loses a lot of value. And that's on top of uh, you know, the decrease in three-point shooting.
1: I have. I know we have other names on this list, but I have another note on Ingram. What do you think about his s- slightly inflated steal and block rate so far this year?
0: I mean, I want to, again, it's one of those things. It's like a,
1: like the Andrew Wiggins breakout. It's like, wh- where have you been uh, the last <laughs> year? <you know? laughs> Although we've uh, always heard that they are a little bit more lenient with steals and blocks in New Orleans. That they're, they'll give you an extra, you know quarter of a steal or a block if it's sort of a questionable thing I mean I don't know that there's anything to that but his he's up in both of them right now
0: yeah I mean certainly the whoever's tallying up the box score may have a bias we know that the that the pace in New Orleans is very elevated so I guess that does lead to more steal and block opportunities um right now those are i am not very confident that those steals and blocks are going to stay at that level but he's always had the body you know to be a good shot blocker
1: yeah he's a pterodactyl all right next on the list we'll keep we'll keep moving here we'll uh keep shuttling along um this one you made this list before the game on uh, on thursday so he started to blow up your spot a little bit but number mm-hmm. two number two on your list is drew holiday and his shooting percentage in particular
0: yeah uh, we gotta sound the alarm on this before that buy low window closes shut uh completely it's on uh, it's on its way it definitely is i I already traded him away in a dynasty league we can talk about that later <laughs> uh, uh, it's drew holiday he's ranked 37th uh on the on the season even with terrible field goal shooting and he hasn't really been known as a as an inefficient guy the last couple of years so he's He's shooting 39% for the season, and he's shooting a career low 44% on two-pointers. So the last two years, he's been at 48 and 54, respectively. So this positive regression was due to come, and it already started on Thursday night with 54% shooting uh, on 24 attempts.
1: And everything else looks almost exactly the same as his marks from prior years. If the shots are falling, he replicates his near first-round mark
0: exactly and I think this is one of those uh, things where he's kind of been in his head uh, because of those the, the injuries in New Orleans right so he's we knew he knew coming into the season that he'd had he would have a lot more on his plate but then Lonzo went down then Ingram went down for a little bit favors missed a few games Zion of course is missing like a good chunk of the season so he he kind of reverted back to his uh, point guard days. Uh, he even said so himself uh, that he was uh, trying to uh, uh, distribute the ball a little bit more. And it's resulted in just like, um, yeah, not, not as many quality shot opportunities for him. Would you trade away Jonathan
1: Isaac for Drew Holiday? Oh, man, two of my favorite players. Yeah, it's a tough one, right? I'm just looking yeah. for guys that are overperforming. What about, I mean, we could throw a couple of the names in there. Malcolm Brogdon, who we talked about. Siakam, Trey Young. Would you have Drew over any of those guys? I I would definitely trade
0: Brogdon and Jonathan Isaac for for Drew Holiday right now. Uh, Trey Trey Young, I love him. I love his minutes and his role. And Siakam's going to, yeah, Siakam, Siakam.
1: Well, Trey, yeah, with John Collins out here for a month and a half, Trey Young's usage is going to be 55 (laughs) for the next five weeks. Um, But it seems to me like you feel Holiday is on his way to maybe right around the top 20 mark. I'm guessing yep. your. I'm I'm picking your brain here because I'm looking at players and I think I've, I've sort of narrowed it down with your yeses and nos. It's where it's almost like we're at the optometrist together. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well, it, it's gonna. It's this thing where we're. This is strange. You know, 11, 12 games into the season, and we're still expecting a an almost 10 percent jump in a guy's fuel percentage. But you know, with what Drew's put out there the last couple of years, that's perfectly. Uh, reasonable, mm-hmm. uh, he's he's shooting 26% on jumpers. That's the worst mark of his career by far. So just to simplify this, it's a stupefyingly unsustainable shooting slump that Drew's been in. One of the very worst in his career, and he's still a top 40.
1: Yeah, go get him. Post-haste. Yeah. Uh, last guy on the unsustainable chart, Rudy Gobert. What's uns- ah. what's sus- what is uh, unsustainable? That was hard for me to say, by the way. What is unsustainable <laughs> for the uh the frenchman
0: well okay so this one i'm not gonna try to pretend this is like super objective uh because it's really not there are some worrying trends uh with rudy gobert who sits at 75 uh overall on the season uh particularly with his blocks he's not contesting uh as many shots this year as he was last year and that can be a product of, you know, improved team defense. Hmm. So he's not having to cover for, you know, teammates who are letting their defenders blow by them this year. Not as much, at least. Um, So this year, Gobert is averaging a full block uh, uh, less than last year, where he averaged 2.3. So he sits at 1.3 this year, which is bad for a player whose fantasy value relies heavily on three categories, rebounds, field goal percentage, and blocks.
1: Yeah, that'll kill you. So you think that's coming back all the way, part way?
0: Uh, I mean, it's it's strange because even I mean, we have this image of him, you know, seventh foot three center. We have this image of him as like a, a a a really good per minute block guy, but he really is a little bit underwhelming in that regard. Even though at the end of the season, he's always up there in in blocks per game and blocks totals. Um, the thing is, as bad as his block rate has been. He's averaging a thirty-five, a, a career-high thirty-five minutes per game, uh, so the blocks are going to come, and when they come, they're going to—it's going to be in bunches. You know, right now, I think the last four games he's had two, two, one, one, so it's it's slowly uh, coming back. Um, and this is not one of those situations where um, he's been a bad defender. He's allowing a career low on field goals attempted against him at thirty-nine percent. So this is just don't. Don't don't sell low on on Rudy Gobert. This is what happens when you got players that depend so heavily on, on just a handful of categories.
1: All right. Some quickies here before we wrap things up. Uh, I'm not going to ask a ton of questions. I am going to give the name of the player you gave me, uh, or I'll give you the category, and you can give me the name back. Okay? Yes,
0: that's good. Yeah, that All right. works.
1: Perfect. You got one in eight of the nine categories. Turnovers is the only one that's not covered here. Quick Hits uh field goal percent these are unsustainables correct uh no this is a little bit of both i a little just want both. okay
0: yeah i just uh yeah like some stats that are like uh standing out to me um this doesn't necessarily mean buy low or, or sell high it's just expect change is what i'm trying to say
1: okay field goal percent uh, is the first one
0: uh, so, yeah, so field goal percent, Nikola Vucevic, he's currently, his three-point percentage is down almost 15%, mm. and his two-point percentage is down 5%, and it's starting to trend up in the last four games. That, don't buy his slump to begin the season. He's definitely going to be better than this, especially with how bad the Orlando offense has been. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're going to need somebody to score points.
1: Oof, they're tough to watch, man. Um, free throw percent.
0: Okay, so this one might be a little bit controversial, but so far everybody's, you know, on board. Luka Doncic, Hmm. uh, he's shooting 83%, but, you know, compared to last year where the rookie wall slapped him hard, um, this is not, like, you know, way above his pre-rookie wall pace. And it's definitely uh, in line with his uh, uh, Euro career averages so i think the 83 percent or maybe slightly lower is a sustainable stat
1: he is a mid first rounder right now isn't that something i believe it i believe it i was i was terrified that those percentages wouldn't get there and right now they have far exceeded anything that uh i think even the the folks that wanted him thought was coming like could they have really seen 48 and 83 coming this is well above anyway doesn't matter uh three pointers pascal siakam uh, we talked about him.
0: I just, the guy keeps getting better. Uh, there's rumors that he might be most improved player two years in a row. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: so I'm just saying the bump in threes, how much is Panda paying you for this? That's what I got to know. We, like what's he slipping you to talk about Siakam and OG Ananobi on this pod?
0: Well, whatever he's paying me, uh, he should double it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the bump in threes isn't just a result of better ball movement or, or open corner threes or higher assisted shooting. Siakam's been creating his own three-point shots this year off the dribble. He doubled his three-point attempts, and he's making it, uh, making them at a better rate. So I think this is here to stay because this is Siakam's offense, especially now with Lowry out.
1: Mm well scoring although this player now is hurt so with a caveat i suppose points yeah
0: so it's it it's karis Levert, and it's still karis Levert. you know uh because when he comes back i'm still expecting him to be the second option in that offense so right now karis Levert for points he's uh he's pretty much at the same uh in the same range that he was last year before he got hurt uh and his, But his true shooting percentage uh, was around 55% during his hot start last year, and this year he was at 49% on identical usage. That said, you cannot target this guy in trades. If you have an IR spot, you can, uh, you can like, stash him there. The thing I'm trying to say is that Karis LeVert is probably better than an 18-point-per-game scorer in this terrible offense.
1: Rebounding. Yes. Just You just might
0: have to wait uh, a few uh, weeks for Levert.
1: Sure. But, uh, what, rebounding. Let's move it to the next. We're, we're rolling through the quick hits.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, rebounding. It's Tobias Harris who has, uh, yeah, the rebounds were supposed to go down. Everybody's been, you know, that's why he was being knocked uh, off draft boards uh, playing next to uh, Al Horford and, and Embiid. His rebounding rate is actually up. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I, I think this is sustainable because he's getting a lot of minutes at power forward even with the Twin Towers available. So uh, also he's mired in a terrible shooting slump. So I think Tobias Harris's uh, value is sustainable.
1: Yeah, I'm actually with you on that one. I, I love his stuff and his free throw percent is actually oddly low at the moment as well. Uh, assists, I guess that's what comes next, huh? Yeah,
0: so unfortunately you shouldn't expect, expect much change in this one. It's DeMar DeRozan who's averaging 4.8 assists per game. So that's down from last year's uh, career high. Um, his, he's having the worst assist to turnover ratio in seven years. And I just don't see any real upside to improve, you know, playing next to better ball handlers
1: in Derek White and DeJounte Murray.
0: Plus he's a trade candidate, apparently.
1: Yeah. We'll see who wants, uh, on board that whole thing. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. He, he is a little bit down this year. Spurs overall seem a little bit goofy, um, steals into the defensive stats now.
0: Yeah, a lot of people pile on this guy because uh, they really don't believe his defensive stats. But T.J. Warren is averaging 1.4 steals dating back to last year. The only difference or, or the only thing, uh, uh, yeah, nothing's changed. Every time this guy gets 30 minutes per game, he averages 1.4 steals per game. That That's it. I, I don't know why people are so skeptical. He's been doing it for more than a year. Uh, this is who he is. Uh, he's, he's at 1.5 this year. It might not stay that high, but, yeah, he, this is one of those guys where he's not particularly good at deflecting the ball or defending. He's just on the court and, you know, uh, respectively, uh, respectfully active on defense.
1: Right place, right time. Last one, blocks.
0: Blocks is Wendell Carter Jr. So he's actually been okay in blocks, but all of us who have uh, followed his career – in college, know that he can be a lot better. His shot contests are way down. You have to get to like the third page of a, a shot contest to find his name. And I think this is just a result of bad coaching, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm based <laughs> in Chicago, so I'm exposed to it. Um, oh, I'm very sorry. Yeah, he's he's been uh, uh, Boylan's been in his ear about foul trouble. You know, this happens to a lot of young big men. I think Wendell Carter. He's already been the Bulls' best player this year. So just stay with him. I think those blocks, similar to Gobert, I think those blocks are going to come right back.
1: Pedro, I think you're officially off the hot seat.
0: Oof, I can breathe.
1: Yeah, I know. It gets a little sweaty up in this joint. Uh, yes. Thanks a bunch for coming on the pod, my man. That was awesome. That was incredibly enlightening, and we got to get you back on here soon.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you for having me, Dan. He is
1: at Pedro N. right? Am I getting that right? Yeah. Doreste, D-O-R-E-S-T-E on Twitter. Follow him post haste. He is our sunup editor at hoop-ball.com. Pedro, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. So I mentioned on yesterday's show that, and I I mentioned it during that segment that we interview, uh, we recorded that a couple of days ago. So some of this stuff is a little bit, we've gotten some new information, but overall, Really interesting stuff just based on kind of a deeper look at guys and what should hold or should not hold and how we can use that to maximize our trade potential. Improve your team via the trade. Because it's all about perception. Remember in yesterday's show I had this, I had that needlessly long rant on the Kawhi Leonard perception, which, by the way, we'll obviously get into the unfortunate Kawhi not playing part of things and what does that mean going forward. But uh, perception is big. And understanding what's true and what is perceived makes a big difference. Cleveland at New York, little revenge game for the Knicks after they got embarrassed by the Cavs earlier this year, and they got it thanks to, well, heavily Julius Randle, who finally played well. No Kevin Love on the Cleveland side, which, of course, dismantles everything that they try to do because without his gravity on the floor, nobody can get open, and everybody's stunk. Everybody stunk. Yeah, they scored 105 points, but it took every last ounce of them to get there. For the Knicks, Julius Randle was good. Marcus Morris was solid, if not great, from the field. Uh, Mitchell Robinson played 17 five foul-prone minutes, but did have four blocks. 7, 8, and 4. And you take it. You know, everybody that wanted it to be like a 20-10, and 5-block year, we had to sort of pump the brakes a little bit. If this is what you get, that's Okay. It feels weird to spend an early pick on someone who's putting up lines like this one, but four blocks is huge. It's so roto-friendly, too. Just piling those up over the course of the season. No real changes in anybody's valuation from that ballgame. Charlotte blown out in Toronto. Old Man Marvin had another decent ball game, and this time it did not come at the expense of Miles Bridges, who we had some ranting and raving about, and was a little bit better in this one. Devontae Graham was okay, Uh, Nick Batum played 25 minutes and did very little, which gives me reason to say he's probably not a pickup. He looks like the same Nick Batum from last year that just doesn't really want to be involved. Toronto needed OG Ananobi back. They got him, and they looked a lot better. Pascal Siakam was solid, but OG, to me, was the guy that really did a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, Norman Powell was pretty good in his fill-in role. grin. Chris Boucher double-doubled. A lot of that was garbage time, though. He really did very little in the first half. Ended up kind of picking on the backups of the backups. I don't trust him. I don't even trust Norman Powell, and he's playing bigger minutes. I certainly don't trust Terrence Davis. It's Sayakum and Anobi, Freddie Van Fleet, Marcus and the other guys you can probably just leave on the wire. Brooklyn Without Kyrie was on a little bit of a revenge game, and it didn't go as planned. Aaron Holiday doing fill in work for Malcolm Brogdon was huge. And they don't play again for about three or four days, I believe. So that may have been it. We shall see. Justin Holiday, the brothers, Holiday, had a great tandem performance in the starting lineup with no Jeremy Lamb. But again, a lot of what you see with this team is just missing pieces. Miles Turner had three blocks and a three-pointer. He was okay, but didn't shoot the ball that well. But you know what you're getting out of him, and it's mostly defensive stats with a smattering of other stuff mixed in. Sabonis at 16 and 18. I mean, you know, everything that you're looking at there is streamy for the non-regulars. So again, I don't think we're adjusting any valuations on this club. And then with Brooklyn, I just, I can't stand him. I mean, obviously we've talked about Spencer Dinwiddie's shortcomings, but with no Karis LaVert and no Kyrie Irving, obviously he needs to be started. The question is, what it, what is this really? Is this one game? Is it two? Is it three? It's enough to throw him into the mix for a couple of days because the popcorn stuff will outweigh the bad, but you have to understand this is a short-term thing. Then he goes back to being more of that top 150 type. Jared Allen was okay. DeAndre Jordan was, eh. Joe Harris didn't get that many shots. They got blown out. Torian Prince was not very good either, and so, you know, you get your butt beat up. Not that many guys are going to have good lines. Portland blown out in Houston. The Blazers look like they're finally having that down season that, honestly, I thought was going to come last year, and I, I can't give Lillard enough credit for sort of staving that off for a season, but his field goal percent is leveling off after the hot start. Hassan Whiteside was decent. Kent Bazemore was actually pretty good, because Rodney Hood couldn't find the range, and Nasir Little fouled out in 29 minutes. They're trying stuff, but they also are getting Carmelo Anthony in their next ballgame. So that's going to throw another fat wrench into things. I would expect that it's going to be Lillard, McCollum, Hood, Anthony, and Whiteside as the starting five. And I would expect that Carmelo Anthony is not going to have nine-cat value. Dan Best for spirit animal, Daniel House was back for Houston and promptly had 11.6 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, three threes, and 3 steals. I love this kid. I love it. P.J. Tucker was fine. He had three threes and a block on 5 out of 7 shooting, so he kept it afloat with a good percentage there. Not quite as Daniel Housey as Daniel House was, but then big games for the superstars. Harden, huge. Capella, huge. Westbrook, triple-double. Uh, he put up a buck, 32. In a game that was sort of a blowout late more than it was early, and so a lot of the starters actually got close to a normal complement of minutes, and that's pretty cool if you have guys, particularly guys uh, on that Houston side. Milwaukee blew out Chicago. Our continuing uh, monitor of who does stuff with Chris Middleton out is pointing a little bit towards Dante DiVincenzo, who now has had two okay games in a row. This one's actually pretty good. 15-4-4 with three steals. His last one he had 14-4-1 with two steals and a couple of three balls. He's obviously shooting the ball at an exceptional clip that will not hold. But it's looking like his game might translate into some steals right now. Not enough for me to make the grab, but something to keep an eye on. And He's certainly keeping Sterling Brown from getting up and over any kind of hump. Wesley Matthews looks old and terrible. Uh, and George Hill was a little bit better in this one, but he basically is just going low usage a couple of shots. Ugly. Chris Dunn outplayed the other point guards, so he got more minutes. Kobe White saw fewer minutes. Tomas Sadoransky saw even fewer than that, and the Bulls got whipped. This was a revenge game for Chicago. Those are tough bets to make, I admit. Uh, Revenge games only went 1-2 and on this one and uh, a lot of minutes were cockeyed because they were getting beat up and they were trying things, and Jim Boylan is a terrible head coach and this organization is a mess. This team has way too much talent to be this bad, but here we are. I still like Saturansky the best, even with one bad game under his belt here. Uh, Markkanen, huge letdown so far this year. Zach Levine, way overdrafted, but we sort of know what you're getting there. And then, not even, I mean, if you're going to, I don't know why they signed Thad Young. I just don't even get it to some degree it's a screwball team daniel gafford had a really nice game off the bench 21 and 5 with a couple of blocks but that might be his best game for two months luka Doncic went nuts with a huge triple double missed a bunch of free throws and turned it over a bunch of times and didn't have any defensive stats which somehow made them the seventh most interesting line of the night according to basketball monsters such as the magic of nine categories and when you go bananas in four of them and hurt somebody in two or three uh, levels off hell of a game though hell of a game in a win and that's the most important point they needed it and he got him the win elsewhere with dallas things just keep getting weirder seth curry got the start but only played 26 minutes and took only six shots dwight powell got the start played 26 minutes and only took two shots he also had some foul issues in the first half maxi Kleba played 28 fairly useless minutes off the bench DeLon Wright finally saw more minutes, but didn't really get involved in the game outside of some steals and blocks. And Porzingis had a double-double, and oddly in this one, it was Dorian Finney-Smith who woke up and went dunk-a-sore on everybody. Go figure Dallas out. They're using a different lineup every damn game, and it's super annoying. I am moving ever closer to just dumping everybody but Luka and KP because Rick Carlisle is insisting on mixing and matching every game. Keeping the opponent off guard, also sometimes keeping his own guys off guard. Demar Derozan finally had a good ball game. Um, you know, we know where he's going to end up. Maybe a little bit behind that. Lamarcus Aldridge was fine, and Derek White played twelve minutes. This is stupid. Fix it, San Antonio. Fix it. I don't know what I need to do at this point. Um, you know, I long since dropped Derek White. We talked about that two weeks ago. I said, look, don't hold on here. It's not going to fix itself quickly. And it really has not. It's, uh, Demar and LaMarcus. Um, Rudy Gay is on the outside. Brendan Forbes is playing plenty of minutes, but not doing anything. Jonte Murray was the other guy that it looked like you could probably get some pretty good value out of him, but even he's been pretty inconsistent lately. After getting off to a rip roaring start, he's kind of fallen back now near the edge of the top 100. I've got to think he trends up, so obviously you're not dropping there. Uh, But this is a super annoying team. Boston locked in defensively. Uh, Lost Marcus Smart to a sprained ankle in the fourth quarter, so that'll just keep spreading things around a little bit. Daniel Tice played 27 minutes, did not score a point, but had 11 rebounds and a block. Brad Wanamaker. It's a sweet, old-timey name. Played 29 minutes. But, uh, I mean, you generally know what you're getting out of this team, and right now the centers are not worth using at all. None of them. Phoenix was without Ricky Rubio, and they looked it. They looked like the old Suns. Not great shots. Couldn't get the offense going. I mean, it is remarkable what having an actual point guard on that team has done for the Phoenix Suns. They look completely lost in this game. Devin Booker looked completely lost. I know Boston's good, but they've been playing some high-scoring affairs. Hopefully for Rubio, he's not out long. Um... He's more durable than people give him credit for. For some reason, everybody's like, oh yeah, Ricky Rubio, he misses a a ton of time every year. He's had like one season where he missed more than just a handful of games. He played, you know, sparingly his first couple seasons in the NBA, and then it was like 82, 22. That was a bad one. 76, 75, 77, 68. I mean, 68's not great, but it's not horrible. He's not super injury prone. Let's hope this goes away fast. Minnesota beat Utah on the road. These two teams play again tomorrow tomorrow. And I would venture to guess that Utah is going to play better in that one. They shot just thirty-six and a half percent in this ball game. Donovan Mitchell was particularly horrid. Woof! And Joe Ingles fine had a good ball game. He's likely been dropped. Lord knows I would have if I had him anywhere, because he's sitting near the top two hundred. But this is inarguably his best game of the season. Twelve, eight, and five with three three pointers. Not enough for me to make a move on him in the one place he's been dropped. But certainly something to watch closely. Boyan Bogdanovich was a little bit better. Mike Conley at 15-6-6. And And Rudy Gobert, double-double. Cat was good. Wiggins was still out. Covington was good. Jeff Teague was good. Josh Koji was uh, actually okay. But the guy we were watching was to see if Jake Lehman could get it going. And he left due to foot issues in the third quarter. So... The answer to our question is, meh. Teague, Covington, Towns, Wiggins. At this point, I think you're leaving it at that. You're not venturing any farther. And finally, and this one's going to require a little bit more uh, deep-divey action, no Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers. Despite Doc Rivers saying he expected to see Kawhi and Paul George playing with one another in this ball game for the first time, Kawhi ended up not going for L.A., and that's a pisser. Because the pressure was on at this point. The pressure was on when Doc said he expected him to play. They could have very easily just said, hey, he banged knees. We're going to let him sit for a week. Take all the pressure off. Nobody would care for a full week after that first injury happened, but he's questionable for every game. Every game they think about trying to get him back in, and every game it doesn't work. And the pressure builds. You're still not bailing out. Let's just hope he gets back quickly. I don't think they're shutting him down for the year. I think we're, we you know, if you're going down that path, you're jumping the gun a little bit. You're not selling for peanuts. This is a Clippers team that, uh, you know, they're they're going to be good with or without Kawhi Leonard. They're going to be good-ish. They're eight and f- what are they? I don't know. They're middle of the pack in the upper echelon in the West right now. The problem is they can't dick around very much. Because they sit, basically, in a dead heat with the four through eight seeds. They're all together. Lakers are out in front. Rockets right behind. Nuggets are kind of in this 1B tier. And then it's Mavs, Clippers, Jazz, Suns, Wolves, all together. And then you've got another massive, I don't know how far you extend this tier, but I would venture to say Thunder Kings, Grizz, Blazers, Spurs, Pelicans even. Probably not the Pels. You can probably drop them behind. And the Grizz eventually are going to fade from that pack as well. Uh, But the West is just so tough that for the Clippers, if they go on a one or two or three-game losing streak, suddenly you're outside the playoffs. That's not going to hold. They'll be fine. But the thing is, they want him to be healthy, but every time someone else in the West wins a game, they've got to think a little bit more about how badly they need to get there. Paul George finally had that kind of... Rust, the adrenaline wear-off game a time. He still looked good, but not as good. Zubat's actually played well and got more minutes in this one. That was a welcome sign, and that's the type of thing that could actually push him over the threshold. He's been right on the edge, number 117 in 9-cat to this point, in a paltry 15.5 minutes per game. If that trends up to 20, he becomes a 9-cat guy. He's that close. He's that close. I mean, I've clowned on him uh, because, you know, I don't don't think he's that great. He's fine. He's fine. He's a backup center to me in the NBA, and that's there's a place for that. And the Clippers like to sort of mix and match so that Montrez and Lou Williams can play together, and that's fine. Uh, But he can get points and rebounds pretty quick. He's a big dude. And we know that he can get there in about 20 minutes, 9-cat guy. And so this one, seeing him actually clear that threshold – was a welcome occurrence. We also saw Nerlens Noel get a few extra minutes. He's been more in that, you know, we were talking about a guy, he was like 10 to 12 minutes a game last year. He's much closer to the 15 to 18 realm this season. So he's right on that cusp also. And he can rack up defensive stats like nobody's business. Even in the game Stephen Adams has been back, we've seen Noel play 18 or so minutes a game. Which is damn close to what he would need to get fantasy value. He's close. I just need the tiniest bit more. 28 20 split. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Folks, remember we are looking for contributors. So hit me up at Dan Bespris, D A N B E S B R I S, on Twitter or email teamhoopball.com at hoop-ball.com if you want to get involved with us over here at HoopBall as a contributor. Podcasting, writing, marketing, social, all sorts of stuff. We have all the things. There's always a place for somebody here at HoopBall if you're willing to bust your ass and help us grow this bad boy. I also wanted to point out that in addition of the bruise letter came out yesterday and then you guys just keep subscribing to it. There's like just a giant chunk that signs up every single day. If you haven't done it yet, you're now one of the people that's not, which before it was like, oh yeah, people are getting involved. Now lots of people are getting involved. So you should probably do it. And the fastest way to do that is to go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter and put in your first name and your email address and you pop right on it. It's free. It comes out every Monday. Brew is really leaning into these bad boys right now. And you're going to love them. You're going to love them. How could you not? Short card on Tuesday. Golden State is at Memphis. The Warriors are going to be an underdog to everybody until this, well, hell freezes over. Portland is in New Orleans. Poor V. Noor. You're looking at the uh, the card there. Sacramento, two-point home favorite over the Phoenix Suns on their back-to-back, and the Lakers host the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, as they play the back-to-back at Staples after taking on the Clippers last night. In terms of fantasy appeal, obviously we're always watching the Warriors, but I'm in the same... You guys have heard me bang the drum on this one way too often. Most of those guys do not have the consistency that I'm looking for. The one that I've said I'm hoping gets over the hump is Kai Bowman because he got that point guard stat set where you can get into nine cat territory a lot quicker if you keep the turnovers down a lot of the other guys are just big into the scoring stuff which you know not really my cup of tea uh for Memphis they're just playing a lot of everybody I do think that Jay Crowder needs to be owned in leagues it's it's a it's an ugly own but it's one that needs to happen and he is in all of mine some of those by me (laughs) the truth revealed um, and then Dylan Brooks is sort of fringy because he's more of the scoring type as well Portland, New Orleans oh, we gotta watch this one, man Melo's return this is the one we're supposed to see him I think he's uh, I don't know that it's official that he's in for this ball game I would not expect a ton of minutes for Carmelo in this one but who the hell knows I mean, what's he been doing? hopefully running on a treadmill a lot wind sprints a lot maybe he'll actually be okay Lord knows they need him. Portland is in a bad way right now. And for the Pelicans, well, half the team is hurt. Brandon Ingram is hurt. He might play. Josh Hart, who knows? Lonzo, who knows? Derek Favors, what the hell do I know? The only one we know is out is Zion. Though we shall see. Favors has been great while everybody's been banged up. Uh, Reddick, sorry. Reddick's been great, but Favors was great before he got banged up himself. Phoenix-Sacramento, I would venture to guess that if Ricky Rubio couldn't play at home on the front end of the back-to-back, a flight to Northern California is probably not what his back needed, so I'm going to assume he's out. Sacramento's been playing better lately. Eventually, the fact that their two most important players are out is going to catch up with them, and when it does, they're going to rattle off a few losses. I just don't know what day that's going to start. This is also, by the way, a revenge game. Remember, Sacramento got smoked in Phoenix, their first game of the year. And then the Thunder and the Lakers, there's not a whole lot there from a fantasy standpoint. Pretty interesting three out of those four games, though. Warriors are interesting. Portland's interesting. New Orleans, interesting. Sacramento. Uh, Okay, fine. They're not that interesting. All right, two out of the four games. Regardless, 50% interesting for fantasy in the fifth week of the year. That's a win as far as I'm concerned. Again, please redo, rate and review the podcast if you like what you hear. Thanks again to Pedro Doreste, our daytime editor at HoopBall, for jumping on to give us some can or can't sustain on the stats. Tomorrow, we'll be talking to Brandon Marcus. We're going to get into some more buy low, sell high stuff. Maybe we'll use some of the things we learned on today's podcast. I am Dan Basbris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Follow me on Twitter. Let us chat. Let us have fun all together and enjoy your Tuesday night. Back at you tomorrow, everybody. So long.